0: to Mind Over Movies. I'm Isaac. I'm Casey. And uh, today, I mean, pretty predictably, we're going to be talking about some movies. (laughs) You you, know, we really like to spice it up every week.
1: If you come to this podcast thinking we're going to talk about anything else, we're not. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of movies, Casey, (laughs) have you seen some? (laughs) Dude, I've actually seen so Many the past week. I was uh, doing like an average of like watching two movies a day. Like I'm not even... What? Watching. Really? I know. So I've watched so many that I can't possibly talk about all of them.
0: I mean, 14 if I'm taking you at your word. Uh, actually, it was
1: closer to 10 actually. It so about 10 movies the past okay. week. Okay, liar. He, he didn't watch two a day. Make a note <laughs> of that. Um, no, so I just... I think I'm just going to tell you about the, the two... Uh, standouts, and an honorable mention. Okay. I didn't per se watch any bad movies, but there were two standouts, I think. All right,
0: all are right. They're pretty
1: great. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just go drive straight in. Uh, Netflix uh, original, um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Oh,
0: I've heard that's good. That's with Elijah Wood, Yes.
1: Right? It's so good. I recommend everybody watch that movie. There is nothing that just makes me mad about it like i just had a very good experience watching it there's a uh, attention to detail in there the level of that is just absolutely amazing and and you'll understand if you, if you watch like they really care about this film um the ending is great has a very satisfying ending the characters are honestly the greatest thing to like about it um and it's really a it's just a I don't know. It's just it's just a great movie. It's like the movie that everybody should watch right now. Honestly,
0: I, I feel that. I think that came out the same year as uh, the end of the effing world on Netflix. Yeah, um, what was
1: that? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah. I've
0: been meaning to watch it. Who who does? Do you know who directs it?
1: I do not know. I could look it up, but the time it would take me might stale. <laughs> <because laughs> gotcha. I, but no, no, it's definitely good. I def. I looked up the director. I just can't uh, think of their name at the moment, but. Um, And, you know, I can't think of the lead actress's name either, but she was super good in it. Is it,
0: oh, totally, uh, Sophie, edit this out if I'm wrong. Is it Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, maybe? I don't know. I feel like it's someone like that. I don't know. Real Ramona Flower vibes. You know (laughs) what?
1: Uh, Hey, Sophie, look that up real quick. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we're back. Um, Sophie has told me that uh, 2017 was the actual year it came out. Um, the uh, director is I. Okay, she wrote this down for me. M a c o n. I'm just gonna say Mason. I don't know. I when you read it, it I, looks that like could be Macon. a making. It could be Macon. <laughs> Macon Mason Blair. Macon's making some movies, right? right? Um, and it was Melanie Le- Linsky. Melanie Linsky was the main actress. Oh, okay. Um, wow, I, I don't know her. I mean, yeah. I don't. I think she's relatively new in the scene, you know. Okay,
0: hey. But
1: uh, yeah, and Elijah Wood was awesome in the movie. But um, and the other standout film that I saw was um, The Assistant.
0: Uh, oh, came out I, last year. I've also heard of this. This has um, Ruth from Ozark. I yes, think as the, yeah. the main character.
1: Oh, dude, it was just like it's a very slower movie, like. You can't really say anything in the movie happens. It's the day in the life of an assistant to a like a big top producer, like a production company,
0: like a Harvey Weinstein type. Right? L-
1: yeah, yeah, because there's like some like sexual abuse going on or in the, uh, or I guess not necessarily sexual abuse. It's sexual like misconduct in mm-hmm. in the in the workplace, um, and she's uh, just struggling with that while the whole film she's doing these mundane tasks that. Uh, really don't mean anything in the grand scheme of film you know, production. It's, it's just so – like she's making like – at one point she's just copying scripts and then she goes and hands on to people. Um, the men in the workplace kind of treat her as lesser. And it's just like more like a uh, – I, I wouldn't call it a character study. I'd call it a job study almost. Mm. It's really interesting. But even though it was slow and it's only an hour and a half, I didn't really feel the slowness. Like I knew, like I'm like you know, there's a couple points I was like, nothing's happening, but at the same time I'm like so engaged because I'm like, what is gonna happen next? And it's just really well acted, directed. Um, I don't know, I just really liked it, and I, I've, I I've heard
0: it? some some, and I mean predictably on the internet, anytime you talk about something as touchy as sexual assault, right. you're gonna get a bunch of insensitive like. Nerds that (laughs) speak up and are like, "This is SJW nonsense," but I've definitely heard that a lot of people went in with the expectation that it was going to be more of a thriller, and that it's a it's a much slower and more subtle movie than that. Like, would you say that the subtlety might be too much for some people, or do you think that works to the movie's strengths?
1: Honestly, I think it works to its strengths, and I think. I'm not gonna say anybody can enjoy the movie. I mean, it's not. It's not any type art house thing. Like it's just so subtle. But the, I agree. The trailer was edited to look like a thriller, and in a way, the movie. Like it's kind of like if you like really like see what's going on. You're like, okay, this kind of is a thriller. Mm-hmm. But while nothing th- like you know thriller esque happens in the film, you're like. This is a pretty, you know, effed up situation that she's in just with, and all she did was take the job. And it's, it's kind of crazy. There's a couple scenes in particular where I was like, is this about to blow up? But it doesn't. And that's kind of the film's message is because it could lead to here and they could go into like thriller territory and explore this. They don't because they're trying to keep it realistic and be like, this is what happens like every day, like. I think it's interesting I think that
0: that sounds really brilliant about it because in a lot of these sexual harassment cases, you know, it's not this very pronounced like outright evil mm-hmm. behavior, you know, like right with with Kevin Spacey's case and a lot of people like it sounds like, you know, there was a lot of grooming and, and yeah, slow definitely. acts and just like little uh, bits of dehumanization going on. And it sounds like that's the vibe of this movie, like at mm-hmm. one point, yeah. Um, this isn't, like, too big of a spoiler, I don't think. And I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know how <laughs> right. it fits in. But I hear that she goes to get, like, her co-workers' panties. And, like, that's the extent of, like, what you see mm-hmm. on that end. Like, she has to just go retrieve them. And, like, she has no business doing that. Like, right. if she's being taken seriously in her job, like, she wouldn't be doing that. Definitely. Like, like that's the level... We're talking about this at just like that little dehumanization.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and there's even like a there's a small scene again, no spoilers for this, but there's a small scene where she has to clean the she's scrubbing the couch in his office, and she's having to clean up the floors. And then in a later scene, they're talking about like, oh, don't sit on that couch. Like there's a bunch of executives like Uh. they know never to sit on the couch. And you that realization, you're like ah. You Man. can't tell what people on the internet are mad
0: about it. You know,
1: it's too subtle for
0: them. Yeah, exactly. You can't exactly. pick that up, apparently. Yeah, like, exactly. They have to say it outright. <laughs> that, that sounds like a great movie. What's the, what's the honorable mention? Oh, yeah, I about?
1: do have an honorable mention. Um, it's Olivia Wilde's is in this movie, and it came out pretty under the radar, but I thought it was a pretty—and Luke watched it with me, and he thought it was great, too. Oh, okay. This is another really subtle movie, not for everybody, but it's called A Vigilante. Uh and uh, that sounds
0: like some Batman stuff <laughs> right? right off the bat. <laughs> I know.
1: Um no, but it's uh it's super uh it's just an abrupt movie like in like it's pretty quiet a pretty quiet still movie but then when when she gets violent like uh it's just it's jarring and it's very abrasive and I appreciate that type of filmmaking. I just think it's fun to watch and and the lowdown is she's a, a victim of domestic abuse and she uses uh, this, like, will and her, like, drive to help other women in need. And she, like, uh, learns, like, basic, like, self defense, but then uses it to, on, on the offense and, uh, you know, beats up basically abusers and stuff. And it's just a really cool, contained hour and 30 minutes of just uh, Olivia Wilde being a badass. And I really liked it. So I'll have
0: to check that out. Yeah. That, that sounds really good. All your picks. I, know. Sound
1: really good. <laughs> I watched, um,
0: a <laughs> Hold um, on. <laughs> I, I wasn't as good as you. Uh-huh. I uh I only watched two movies this last <laughs> no, week. No, that's it, was, okay. it was Thanksgiving, you know, the right. work and the holidays or whatever. Um but the one of the ones that I watched actually just came out this year. It's called Feels Good Man. Have you heard of this?
1: Mm. I think I've heard of it, but I don't. I've never. I don't even know what it's about.
0: So it's about um, Pepe the Frog. It's uh, it's about how the creator um, yeah. made him. You know, it was originally just a cartoon comic strip, and how like over the years it's been stolen. This character and it's been used by the alt right and extremified to this like terrible. It's a hate symbol. It's classified yeah, as right. a hate symbol right now. Pepe the Frog is, um, and the documentary talks all about that. How you know The creator absolutely hates that and things that he's doing now to combat it. And it was really interesting. Um, one of the things I liked about it the most is even though it's a documentary, they actually have animated segments in the movie with, okay. with the character, Pepe the Frog and stuff. And right. it actually totally adds to the vibe of the movie. Like <laughs> really? It's not obnoxious at all or it's stylization mm-hmm. for the sake of being heavily stylized. It's just like it really flows well. With the movie, and I I don't even want to call it a documentary. It's more like just this like weird like experience of seeing this um, character like kind of tainted by the outside world. And it was probably one of the better movies I've seen this year. I mean, (laughs) we don't have a lot of twenty twenty movies to work with, but this is up there. Okay, I'll
1: definitely have to check it out because I do remember seeing the trailer for that when it came out, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to wanted to see it, but then I didn't hear anything about it again. So, where did you watch it at?
0: I watched it on Amazon. Amazon I, it's gotcha. it's available to rent there. Gotcha. I'm not sure that there's any other way to watch it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And then I only watched one other movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I watched on VHS though. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was a real street rep. Uh, my dad and I watched it. Training Day. Yes. I've uh, I'd never seen it before, but I, it had been hyped up to me. Um, David Ayers wrote mm-hmm. it the suicide squad guy dude I and know right I know like both movies I hate vehemently I, so <laughs> yeah so I didn't know like what to expect because people really love training day and I was very curious to see it and uh yeah it's it's good
1: it's yeah dude I yeah I watched it a couple years ago and I loved it I think it's really good
0: I uh, I think that it all kind of hinges on whether you dig what um Denzel Washington is doing with this yeah. like cop character mm-hmm. that you can't quite tell if he's mm-hmm. like a, a just a terrible corrupt cop or if he's mm-hmm. like in a deep cover like at one point he's like driving and he's trying to get Ethan Hawke to smoke like contraband and Ethan yeah. Hawke's like no I won't do it no I won't do it and he like swerves into the middle of an intersection stops the car points a gun at Ethan <laughs> Hawke's head yeah. and it's like smoke that <laughs> that weed, man, <laughs> or I'm gonna put this bullet in your brain, and like they're just like chilling there. <laughs> it's, it's really funny, but like I think he does sell it. Like, yeah, I don't definitely. think it ever gets yeah. too over the top. I mean, mm-hmm. they are like a couple parts where you think, Oh, I'm not gonna be into it anymore, and then he shows up again. And you're like, Oh my god, yeah, this
1: works for me somehow. Definitely, I uh, that's a testament to Denzel Washington, though, mm-hmm. honestly. And honestly,
0: the script, uh, I liked it because mm-hmm. you're, you're watching the movie and you don't really know um, if there's going to be some kind of twist the whole time. Like if there's going to be right. this twist that Denzel is actually like a pretty good cop and he's <laughs> yeah. just like rough or like, you know, maybe there's more complicated layers mm-hmm. to the story. And it's almost like satisfying when there isn't. And you, you yeah. just see that he is this terrible, like person. You're like, oh my god! I feel just like Ethan Hawke. You know, I I kept trying to see the good in this guy, mm-hmm. and that blinded me to the fact that there is none. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking on that, you know, the expectation of a twist or a plot twist, um, the nature of plot twists and film in general is yeah. kind of what we wanted to get into today. Oh heck and, yeah. Would you like to take the lead Yeah, on that
1: totally. <clears throat> we wanted to talk about plot twists today because plot twists are very interesting and they're also one of the best ways for a movie to be remembered by. Yeah. In my opinion, I think if a movie has a plot twist in it, even if it's bad, you're going to remember it, you know, cuz you're sitting in the movie theater and all of a sudden the story's flipped on its head. Which brings me to I we need to I need to get out there the what a plot twist technically actually is and then i'm going to relate it to m night Shyamalan uh because he is that name is basically pretty much synonymous with the word plot twist he is known as the king of plot twists the master whatever um but a plot twist is not just obviously not just for films it's a literary technique to completely diverge the path that the narrative is taking uh doesn't it doesn't really, you know, plot twists are not necessarily confined to one genre. They work well with a handful of genres, but they can pretty much be in any movie. And there's probably some mm-hmm. plot twists that you didn't, you maybe you're like uh, that movie didn't have a plot twist, but it actually did because it's just it just means that the the narrative, the story as you know it, has just been. I like to use the term. It's uh, just turned on its heels. Uh, completely new direction. Or maybe not necessarily a new direction, but just a just a wealth of information dumped on you that completely changes how you're looking at the movie or how the characters are seeing their situation. Um, and M. Night Shyamalan, he's... I can't think of a movie where he doesn't include some sort of plot twist.
0: I mean, it's because uh, the man made his whole career off of I'm one off plot of twist Off of one right plot there.
1: twist, yeah. Well, it was... Um, Six cents. Six cents. I was yeah. about to say I couldn't remember if Six cents or Signs came first.
0: Yeah, uh, Six cents was the the first one that he got big off of. I mm-hmm. mean, if we're not counting Stuart Little, which is also written by <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. I
1: forget uh, that it's written. He wrote that.
0: It's uh. It unfortunately doesn't have any game changing plot twist, which is maybe why even though they came out in the same year, only the Six cents got nominated for best picture and stuff like that. Stuart Little. <laughs> Got okay, you. listen. Listen
1: up, Academy. Stuart Little got snubbed. Okay, nah, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, definitely. Um, but when people think of uh, plot twists, they normally think of like M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. he, uh, that's the guy that does plot twists. Well, um, he actually has stated that he has no interest in the technique of doing plot twists. He just happens to write a lot of thrillers, and thrillers tend to have. A revelation or big reveal mm-hmm. in them. So I guess his mindset is, if you're going to reveal something, it better not be what the audience already thinks it is, because you know there's not, the audience. If they guess what it is, then then something's sort of lost in their interest. They'll just be like, oh, pff, I, I could have wrote this. Yeah. And um, I think that's what he strives to do is is uh, completely just out of nowhere, just throw them off guard and then catch their attention again for you know his final third act. But, um, he, uh, while he made his, oh, and, uh, forewarning, um, I'm going to try not to talk about too many spoilers from newer movies. Uh, okay. That's,
0: but, that's a good call. But,
1: but to be fair, spoiler warning. Okay. Yeah. So if, if we're talking about a movie you haven't seen, talking spoilers, go ahead and skip ahead.
0: I reckon we'll, uh, we'll give a warning as to which movie it is. Right. Whenever we start talking about it, we'll be like, spoilers for this. You can skip right
1: ahead. Yeah, that part. definitely. Um, but yeah, so uh, this, let's just start off, The Sixth Sense, um, yeah. great plot twist, honestly.
0: Honestly, I mean, what really aids it is that it's a very engaging thriller mm-hmm. up to that mm-hmm. point. That is a movie that is entirely not dependent on its plot twist, but on rewatching. it only goes up from knowing Definitely. that that plot twist is there at the end, like. Yeah. I hate spoilers for Sixth Sense, but this is on a t shirt now. Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Yeah. You know, and you find that out in that like great scene at the Mm -hmm. end. He's just like reminiscing like about the dinner with his wife. Yeah. Why hasn't she been connecting with (laughs) me lately? Like, she's acting like I'm not there. What? You know? (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. And I I can't believe, like, when I watched the first time uh, when it happened, I was like, what? How did I not see this coming? And it's because the script is is written so well to where you just the the range of information that you're given, and you kind of it kind of subtly like you know hints. It doesn't what I think works good about it is for example when he you know he's shot in the beginning all we see is his wife rushing to him, and then immediately the next scene is he's talking with the kid, and then he goes home and his wife's not talking to him, and you're like something happened between him getting shot and you know, that something's happened and we'll figure it out. Yeah, you
0: you think like it, it gives you that red herring, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, she must just be mad at him because she he endangered their lives right, by like, Right. Bringing this psychopathic like client to their house mm-hmm. and you know, risking everything. And like from our perspective, they both survived the event, no harm done, right? right you yeah, know <laughs> like, yeah. I mean the guy's dead, but you know. Definitely,
1: other than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's so what I also think is so great about it is because it's it's a, it's if you think about it like it's thriller, but it teeters on the line of ho- of a horror movie mm-hmm. in the first you know hour hour and ten minutes, and then that final thirty minutes or so, or actually final was it ten or twenty minutes that the yeah. you're like whoa, this was like pretty much a, a drama, a supernatural drama the entire time, and it's it's great. I mean, he got everything to work for him in that movie. Um,
0: It's really, it's really like something that I don't think he's replicated. Yes. I think that Unbreakable is probably the best movie he's done since uh, Sixth Sense. And that was the one he did right after. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that's, that's very cool because back when he made Unbreakable, which is a superhero movie, Mm -hmm. you know, there weren't as many You know, the market wasn't saturated with them yet, and it was very interesting to see that twist come at the Mm -hmm. end of the movie, because we don't typically associate the superhero narrative with, like, plot twists, you know? They're usually pretty straightforward stories. Mm -hmm. Good guy fights bad guy. Maybe his morals are tested in there, but Mm -hmm. usually comes out on top, and to have that, like, gut punch of Samuel L. Jackson being the bad guy the whole time, orchestrating all that stuff, it's smooth. But um, it's not the sixth sense, you know? And you can tell he says that he's never chased that. But something kind of tells me he thought that's what equaled critical acclaim. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, he tries it in The Village. He tries it in Lady in the Water. He tries it in The Happening. happening,
1: And The the Visit, which has got mixed opinions on that. But... the visit was okay i guess uh, <laughs> nobody
0: talks about the visit that's nobody the thing. talks about the visit at the time it was like oh he's coming back man mm-hmm. he's like he's really doing it and then uh no one talks about it anymore and split became the movie that yeah people were like oh he's really coming back uh and honestly, I think that's a much better example. But I think it's also because he wrote it at the same time he wrote Unbreakable. That's why the Split script is so good. Yeah. And Glass, which just came out in 2019, is a piece of
1: See, dog turd. That, that's that's I'm glad you mentioned Split and Glass because I mean night and day, right? Yeah. Split, um, I think, was really it's what I was hoping for. I was like, oh, a return to form because in a in a sense that very ending scene is the plot twist of the movie it's i guess you could call it technically like a meta plot twist almost mm-hmm. because he's basically saying haha ha, this is an indirect sequel to Unbreakable it's like everybody's been asking for all these years Yeah, I mean... for, for
0: reference for people who haven't seen Split um, or Unbreakable Unbreakable is this really great superhero movie with the twist at the end yeah. Split is this like seemingly unrelated thriller mm-hmm. about a man with split personality disorder and then at the very last second of the movie Bruce Willis walks in you're like oh crap Yeah, it's a sequel to <laughs> Unbreakable it's a superhero movie again right. we're back on yeah
1: uh, yeah, and it, it was uh, – I remember I was uh, – <laughs> when I saw Split, I had not seen Unbreakable yet.
0: Oh, so it was probably just confusing. It was so
1: confusing. And at the end, I was like, whoa, what? And then uh, I was with my friends, and they started freaking out. They were like, oh, yes. Oh, this is so cool. And so I had to look it up. and I was like, oh, my God. That is that's super cool. So I went and watched Unbreakable. And then I was super hyped for Glass. And can I just say, like – that he tr- he did a he did a double whammy plot twist in that movie and both of them just sucked like what was the the first one being the uh how um it's like just how they're
0: all how they're all like going crazy and they're in the in the ward like is that oh no no you're talking about when mr glass like starts moving around what are you thinking
1: of so about? i'm okay so i'm thinking of basically the reveal that these people are basically there that superheroes have always existed and they've been, this organization has been there to keep them in check and they know their weaknesses. Okay. That's the first one. And I don't know why I just, because the movie was headed one way the entire time. And then when that happened, I was sort of like, it feels like it's slowing down because you know what's going to happen. And then they tease this big fight at a building There's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's you, superhero, he has to have his final big fight. It has to be in public and everywhere. It's on like, oh, crap, this is going to be the most action in this series that we've had. They're going to do like a very public fight. But no, they just, and spoiler warning, uh, skip ahead, they all just die. The organization kills all of them. Which, I I don't know, I didn't like that at all.
0: I think I think that the problem is, you know, unlike back in the early days when he would do the the good old plot twist Mm. and it would maybe help the plot along, um, it's it's this obsession that's come into modern movies where it's the subversion of like genre, right, right. And I mean that's what he's going for when at the start of Glass, you know, it seems like your standard superhero affair, like what you probably imagined the movie was going to be. Bruce Willis is like tracking down. The split personality guy i think his name's kevin um and they like fight they duke it out mm-hmm. and then sarah paulson and her crew show up knock them out and they're in a mental ward for mm-hmm. the rest of the movie and yeah. al- already that's just the subversion of what you would think this movie would do which is you know to just have this standard like action sequence filled movie with yeah. like a couple satisfying character moments in there but instead it's like maybe doubt that the characters are credible um and so what's a little frustrating about the finale is we get back on track onto that superhero narrative yeah but he again he subverts and he's like it's not about them even it's about inspiring hope
1: in people i don't or? yeah see that's uh i don't know
0: <laughs> but if he wanted it to be optimistic you don't drown your beloved main character of this trilogy in a puddle
1: i know right? yeah you that's... know
0: they just like they're so brutal and they mm-hmm. just kill him like that you yeah. know
1: it's it's very it's very maddening to the point where even samuel l jackson's death to me was undeserved at least in the way that it happened, I was just kind of left with thinking, did he hate these characters? Like, I don't know. So, like, I guess necessarily it's hard to distinguish plot twists from uh, subverting expectations, mm-hmm. which that uh, recently that term has been thrown around a lot with the whole Ryan Johnson fiasco. But, um, subverting expectations and a plot twist are, are, are kind of go hand in hand but they're just a little bit different um and i think he didn't do either of those well in class no. while he did them very well in you know some of a couple of few of his uh, previous films and um i don't know he's coming out with a new movie called Old I've been uh, old Oh it's called Old yeah it's another thriller you should see the poster for it It's super weird uh it'll yeah i know it'll, it's it's apparently compar- it's coming out spring or summer 2021 okay i don't i'm hoping i'm i'm so very hoping that he's gonna blow us away with this one because i like the dude i think he's a he's a half decent director when he's
0: talking about movies especially he seems very passionate Mm -hmm. and like his process is very cool it's just yeah it's unfortunate that so many of the movies he's makes are like Dog turned. yeah, man. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's bad.
1: What what crushed me was, uh, I saw it in her. It was like a, yeah, it was an interview or something. There was like a quote that they had in the article that when he started seeing the reviews for Glass, he just started crying. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because like, I mean, oh. if you think about it, that's his baby since two thousand. That was good. This is his conclusion to his only trilogy he has, and the reviews just sucked, and he. Yeah, he said he broke down crying and he he was so disappointed in himself. And that makes me feel bad. But I'm like, oh,
0: you did not do a very good he, job. No. Though. It's <laughs> hard to not tell you I know. the truth, man. Like, yeah. And <laughs> it, it feels bad. You know, there's people mm-hmm. you want to root for like that. I think Kevin Smith is another one of those people where Definitely. it's very interesting yeah. to watch him talk about movies and then you see a movie that he's made and it's usually pretty terrible. Like yeah. The only one I've seen is Tusk. So I haven't seen like Clerks era, Kevin Smith, but... I watched Clerks last night. Is it good?
1: <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah, like, it seems funny. The acting... No, the, the greatest thing about Clerks is the script and the dialogue. Oh, it's totally funny. The acting, they're all non-professional actors and they kind of just like phone it in. But the dialogue, <laughs> it's very funny movie. And the script is very, very good. So, Yeah.
0: I'll I'll probably end up checking out Clark's, yeah, but definitely. um, you know I just can't shake the feeling that in in M Night Shyamalan's movies and in a lot of movies that we get these days, the the expectation of including a plot twist has kind of harmed yeah a lot of movies and I'm like wondering what you think about this because it seems like. Especially in a lot of Disney movies these days, it's always got to be a surprise that um, the villain is yeah. really a villain. Like uh, I don't know why in Incredibles two they felt the need to have like the Catherine Keener's character be a surprise bad guy. Like you don't need that at all. Like <laughs> definitely.
1: Um, I remember specifically calling that very early in the movie, and then when it happened, I thought. I thought it was going to subvert my expectations from that, but it didn't. And no, it's just meaningless. Just, um, just for the sake of, of having that plot twist, I think just so audiences will, I don't know. Wow. And amazement. I don't know. It's, it, I think when the plot twist is done
0: the worst way possible, it's like, it sets you up with the easiest red herring in the world. Like in Incredibles two, it's like Bob Odenkirk's character, He has like a motive that you would think would be like, oh, I want to fight superheroes or you don't trust him. He seems like a slimy guy. Right. And then, of course, it's his sister because she's been kind of schmoozing it up with Mrs. Incredible and stuff. And this is the case in a lot of movies is like they set you up with this red herring that no one actually goes for. And they go, they clap themselves on the back whenever Mm -hmm. they reveal that the red (laughs) herring was, in fact, a red herring. And the audience is like, we already knew that. Right. Um, And I also think that, at its worst, a plot twist makes a movie not fun to rewatch.
1: Oh, my God, yeah.
0: I'm going to say something a bit controversial. Okay. And you tell me if you agree with this. I think The Usual Suspects is a bad movie because you watch it one time, and that's the only time you're going to get any thrill out of it um, because the story just is not interesting once you know the twist. Like, I, I watched it for the second time last year, and I mean, it's well directed, which I hate to say because Brian Singer is an awful person. Awful person. He belongs in a movie like The Assistant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <you're> right? <laughs> um, but he, man, knew how to direct, and it was written by, oh, who's that guy that does like the Mission Impossible movies? these days brian uh, something
1: uh i'll look it up continue but he
0: wrote the script and that was like his claim to fame too is that usual suspects ends in a plot twist um but the unfortunate thing is like yeah you watch the movie again and spoilers for the usual suspects yes and once you know kevin spacey is actually the bad guy like most of the scenes don't have any stakes you see kaiser soze right there you're like there he is uh i'm not scared of him because i already know it's kevin spacey and he's doing all the murders like off screen and it's like it's not even that satisfying when you get to the plot twist again once you know it because you're like oh okay this is like the one iconic part of the movie do you hear any other part of usual suspects get quoted or like remembered
1: the two most quoted lines that I hear from the usual... Actually, I'll, I'll put it this way. The two scenes that I remember the most from The Usual Suspects is obviously the Kaiser Soze when the story, when he talks about going in and killing the children and the wife and killing everybody. Uh, that story, because the flashbacks and like this ugly amber hue. You know, uh, you know you're remembering about? it for a different reason than yeah. probably most people <laughs> But But... Um, I remember that scene. And then I remember the end when it's revealed and he's walking. Cause the movie, Oh God, the first scary movie, uh, it ends with, uh, that, oh, what's that character? He was like the dumb one in the entire movie and he acted just like he had one brain cell and then when he's walking, he straightens his walk. Does the whole yeah, thing... Yeah, verbal and yeah.
0: usual suspects. I, I've, I've not seen Scary Movie 1. So, okay, so well, I don't. They,
1: they do the same thing as like the end of The Usual Suspects. So that's yeah. the scene I remember. It's the scene everybody remembers. But I have to kind of agree with you. But I would argue that The Usual Suspects is pretty good for two viewings. I think if you watch it the first time and you don't know... And you figure out at the end. And it's then you pretty watch cool. It. Yeah, it is when pretty. you don't know. But then if you watch it a second time and you know who it is the whole time, then you can just kind of watch how he acts and kind of like, oh, well that really meant that, or he, uh, I don't know, just seeing like how he acts. But then after that, then yeah, I guess the the plot twist is pretty much worthless for rewatchability.
0: When I think of like my favorite movies with plot twists to watch, I think of movies that are enhanced by it, and I think mm-hmm. probably. My One of my favorite examples of that is Fight Club. Okay, um, yeah. The, the twist in Fight Club is that, you know, Brad Pitt is Edward Norton's imaginary friend. Yeah. And in the whole movie, you think he's a real person. Um, and I just think that it's so cool to go back and rewatch that movie and it totally makes sense and it adds to it and it adds to this theme of, like, you're not special and you have to make this idealized version of yourself to, yeah. like... Live the reality that a lot of people want to achieve. Like, it adds to the movie's themes. I don't know what a plot twist like Usual Suspects does for the movie. For the movie, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it just shocks the audience. It yeah. It gives them, it's like, it's the same as like a jump scare. You know, you're startled the when a jump scare happens, but there's like not a lasting impact of that jump scare. Like, if a loud noise were to play right now. <laughs> ah! You know, yeah. for a moment it would be frightening, but you would forget about it later, you know? True. Like it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't have any lasting value. And I think that a lot of plot twists are just like that. And I think some of our most famous examples, like Usual Suspects, like, they commit that crime of just having, like, cheap shock value.
1: Almost. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> I agree. And on the same note of something, a plot twist enhancing the film, uh... <laughs> what movie I think does this brilliantly? Arrival. Yeah. Arrival has a great plot twist that you could never see coming if you're just a first time viewer, and it is so great. And going back and rewatching that movie, I mean, knowing the plot twist has no bearing on. Oh, I mean, it does. It, but it doesn't like bother you. It doesn't stale the movie is what I'm I'm saying. It enhances it, and you're watching it again. And you're like, oh, you know, this is so. Like finely written, it's it's great, um, and Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors, and he directed yeah. that movie beautifully. I might add, but yeah, definitely that that twist is great.
0: I think that Denis is one of those directors that knows when to include a twist and when not to. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine um, spoilers for that too. Yeah. <laughs> um like has that element where like it'll lead you on with a lot of points where you would expect a twist kind of how training day did but then it doesn't like actually go into that twist that you think it would um it subverts your expectations Mm -hmm. in a good way and i think that he's like such a master at at that Mm -hmm. and he doesn't i think sometimes the plot twist is like used only as a, a source of like a big reveal. Um, and sometimes it's nice to have no big reveal at all. Definitely. I, I mean, to be subverted in that way and realize, oh, it really is how it seems here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to return to form there. Because I feel like too many movies these days are so obsessed with big reveals. Definitely. Like, every Star Wars movie, you you go to the theater and you know now that you got to get some like familial relation that is a huge reveal. Definitely. Apparently it's a formula now, you know, like, yeah. even, like at the start of force awakens, mm-hmm. Snoke's like your father, Han Solo. And it's like Whoa! <laughs> But like, you can't keep doing that because only so many people can be related before this gets old. I mean, that's yeah. why when rise of Skywalker comes out, this is the rise of Skywalker hate podcast. That, when, definitely. When rise of Skywalker comes out and it's just like, uh, Palpatine is, your, um, grandpa, <laughs> like
1: they're really stretching it. I know? know. I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, uh, and I think, <clears throat> I think honestly, here's something interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I do have a couple more movies I really want to talk about with plot twists, but I, I have to go, we have to go down this, this rabbit hole real quick. Yeah. Freaking J.J. Abrams, man, and his mystery box storytelling. He his films do very, very well at the box office, and he has this way of telling the story. And for those who don't know, the mystery box way of storytelling, he teaches it in his TED talks to universities and shit. But um, it, basically, how he writes a script is he writes it with questions all throughout. It's how he. It's how he did Super Eight. It's how he did. Even Star Trek Into Darkness is how yeah. that's how you did that. Which I I thought Into Darkness worked great. I love that movie, but really, I mean, again, I, I know you a probably vehement hate it. Star Trek I fan,
0: I do not like Into Darkness, but I like Super Eight quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really like Super Eight. I think that might. <laughs> I don't want to say this and get blasted for it later. I think it's a better version of ET.
1: <laughs> oh. What? Yeah. Boy, okay, hold up. Okay, okay, sorry. I
0: I haven't seen E.T. in a while, but... I, I think that, you know, J.J. J. Abrams really hits that, like, Spielberg vibe. With okay, Super the thing, it's only...
1: It's so good. <laughs> oh, but J.J. J. Abrams markets nostalgia for people, so all he's doing, while it feels like E.T., that's because it basically is E.T. He worships Spielberg, practically, and he's taking elements from E.T. E. and it's from the not Goonies. not just about that he's...
0: for me. It's like... It's that fact that he gets that, like, nostalgia of being a kid. Like, and this is not what Spielberg was going for in E.T. Like, he wasn't trying to, like, make you remember what it was like to be a kid. Well, no, it's definitely not. trying to tell not. a story no. of wonder. And I don't think it's fair to say that they're the same movie. Oh, no, well, no, definitely not. Um, which I think it's what it sounded like when I said that <laughs> Super 8 is a better E.T. I just really love Super 8's, like... Um, Remember what it was like to be young and pure and, like, running around with a camera. And then also remember Spielberg. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's tastefully done. Um, And I just think the exciting action part of Super 8 works in its favor. um, Gotcha. To keep it interesting. I mean, obviously we don't have the John Williams score. I don't know, man. This is my – if I got to take the L on this one thing (laughs) – I'm just going to say I, I like Super 8 a little bit better than E.T. Okay,
1: that's fine. <laughs> okay. Your reaction to me it was not I fine. know, it was not fine, but I, I understand what you're saying. I just, E.T. is, uh, well, we can get it out in another minute. That's a special movie to me, but either way. It is a special film. It is a, a very is special. It is a certified <laughs> classic. It's a certified classic. But no, um, but J.J. Abrams with his, with his story box approach, you know, asking all these questions mm-hmm. and he says, if you tell somebody what's in the box, that's less intriguing than wondering what actually than telling than not telling them what's in the box. And this comes back to bite him so many times.
0: When it's and time I, to pay up, when like, it's yeah, it's when it's hard. time
1: to pay up, it is hard. And I think that's why. Just his, I don't. I think that's for me. His films fail, in my opinion. Um. I think also it hurts the industry of, of screenwriters. Yeah. Because he's going around here giving that spiel about the mystery box. And while I'm not saying you shouldn't do the mystery box approach, maybe out there there's a movie like that where it works. Actually, I know there's a movie where, where it works, but it's very, uh, very. Uh, What's what's the word I'm looking for? Like nobody really knows about it. Oh, it's very um, they obscure it. Yeah, yeah, obscure. It's obscure an obscure film. film called The Big Empty. Um, we're gonna have to sit down and watch that one night because I'm telling you, bud. Either okay. way, either way, um, it doesn't work for a lot of movies, and I think it hinders audiences' expectations of every other movie afterwards as well, especially after a big bombshell movie like The Force Awakens, where I mean it leaves room for so much conversation. There's so much media traffic for that movie when it came out because everybody was asking questions. Like, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? And he did not pay up. Technically he paid up, but with that with that example, with that with the sequel trilogy, there's a whole wave of, of crap that happened within that. But um you see it so much, just Movies striving to just hit you with the big punch, and it's not rewarding, not fulfilling at all
0: it It's starting to feel tired, yeah, like just like how superhero movies feel oversaturated and it's kind of hard for me to get excited for a new one. I'm just like if a movie seems like it's setting up some like big reveal and it does it, I'm just like, was that even so satisfying? Do you feel yeah. do you feel like you did what you set out to do? Does this really enhance the movie? Like I don't know. Most big reveals these days, I'm just like they're eye rollers. Really? You, yeah. The, the art of the reveal has been kind of lost or if not lost, tainted, you know? Definitely. And I, I do I do think JJ J. Abrams is a problem with that cuz god, you know, like his <laughs> his plot twists are not satisfying. And you said you love Into Darkness. I'll, I'll tell you what, Into Darkness's plot twist doesn't even make sense if you haven't even seen like, like, older Star Trek movies. Right. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is just like, I'm Khan. Mm. And if you think about it, to the characters in the movie, that, may, that name means nothing. nothing. Yeah. Like, Kirk and Spock in that movie have no idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, what? In fact, other people wouldn't care. Like, It's just for the audience. It's a moment only to make the audience go, whoa. And, like, you're cheating because in the movie, that actually does not mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean a single thing to any of the characters, except maybe Old Spock, who's, like, hardly even in the movie because Leonard Nimoy is too busy, like, dying in real life. Rest (laughs) in peace. I love you. Rest in peace. (laughs) Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like so many movies will go. All the way to get to that big reveal, and at the end of the day, it didn't mean jack to anyone. Yeah, like it was just for the audience's sake. For the audience, yeah. Like definitely. fan service has become the backbone of big reveals, right? You know, like even Game of Thrones, like beloved te- television shows, are relying on fan theories coming true to be their big reveals rather than like actually setting up something themselves or you know Definitely Or like making stakes and reveals Mm -hmm. exciting for characters. What works so great about Luke learning that Darth Vader was his father is that just like for the audience, it's shocking to Luke and he doesn't want to hear it and appropriately Mm -hmm. he screams like No Mm -hmm. It's not true. It's impossible Most big reveals these days wouldn't get like a peep. Out of a character, like someone will be like, By the way, my name is Nikolai Tesla. It's like,
1: What? (laughs) 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 They're like, So? And the audience is like, "Mm, Yeah, I read about him in history. I want to my guess. (laughs) Is that the inventor of (laughs) electricity? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But. But to, to go to a lighter note, you know, we've been kind of bashing, but let's talk about plot twists that did it right. Yeah. That are memorable films. And I... No, that aren't so bad. Exactly. And I... Let me tell you, bud, I got a banger to start off with. I don't know if you've seen this, but... Good old classic Alfred Hitchcock, 1940, Rebecca.
0: You, no, I haven't.
1: <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> That's, I think... I might be wrong, cinephiles. Cinephiles in the YouTube comments, please let me know. But I am pretty sure that Rebecca is the film that got him noticed in the U.S. at least. Because that film okay. was big. It won the Academy Award for really? Best Picture. Yes. That film has... I've never heard of this. That film has like three interwoven like plot twists within one or two scenes. And it's like... So good. It is so good. It completely flips the movie on its head, changes in a new direction, but at the same time, you're like, whoa, that only enhances this story, and now I'm ready for this climactic third act, and let me tell you, the third act is absolutely crazy. The film is great, and its rewatchability is so high because the performances are so good, and the the, the score, is very haunting. Um... It's just a great movie in general, but that plot twist, wow! It drives it home, and I think if Hitchcock, I don't think he did. I'm not. People don't call him, People call him the master of suspense. I wouldn't call him master of the plot twist. But when he does a twist in his films mm-hmm. or subverts expectations, it's wildly amazing. Um, so yeah, and I think also if we're going for hitchcock pairing that up with psycho 1960 yeah. psycho that's that's another just great like a one.
0: famous oh yeah. plot, that's a plot twist that outlives the movie a little bit i mean the Definitely. movie is still beloved by audiences but like people know that twist i've never seen psycho really confession of mine but i do know the twist mm-hmm. you know yeah. about norman Bates's mother and how she's actually holding up yeah. not too
1: well not, <laughs> not too, <laughs> too well. that that, that revealing scene was so crazy that I watched it like I don't know, four or five times after I finished the film after that scene, I went on YouTube and just looked up that scene and just watched it four, five, six times. I mean, that scene is like perfect. and it's the reveal scene and you're like,, dude, like of course, and I knew that I knew the the I knew the twist too, but I hadn't seen Psycho until like a year ago. and I knew all about it. but going in that movie and then watching it and then seeing it, it was still like, this is amazing. And I would watch this movie 10 more times. I'm, he's great at that. Hitchcock is. Another, what people argue, is the greatest screenplay Chinatown.
0: Oh, yes. Chinatown's so good.
1: Chinatown is amazing. And I, I'm sorry, I have to talk about this. If you have not seen Chinatown, click off this podcast, go watch it, and then come back and listen. Because spoilers it's, for Chinatown. It's some
0: of the finest neo noir you'll ever see. You'll ever
1: see. All right. So, spoilers ahead. You're warned. Okay. That ending mm-hmm. is brilliant, and the script just holds it up so much. I just – I can't, like, fathom, you know? Mm-hmm. Like and, – and honestly, partly, I have to give credit where credit's due. Jack Nicholson's performance is just – only yeah. makes it better. Just in retrospect. Um, they couldn't have cast anybody else for that role, honestly. I really do believe. It's it's
0: just like I thought when you said that burr sound, you're gonna say brutal. Brutal. Because yeah. That is that movie. It's yeah. just like the plot twist of of her being raped by her father, and you know that means she's my sister. She's yeah. My, she's my daughter. Yeah. She's my sister. She's my daughter. That's so brutal. I know. And it fits with the ending of the movie so well because it's saying like. You know, in real life, the big man wins. Like, the rich guy walks Mm -hmm. away the big winner because he's got the resources to cover it all up and get away
1: with it, and it's unfair.
0: Yeah, and And he'll he'll do it again. Yeah, he'll do it again. That's
1: the sentiment at the end, is like, he's gonna do it again.
0: And and the sentiment also being, here in this place, in Chinatown, that's just the way it is. Just forget it. Like, turn your brain off. Don't think about it anymore. And that's why I love the twists and turns in that movie because they all, you know, they give you this sense of unfairness of mm-hmm. an unjust system that the movie is totally going for. Um and it, it it has like a lot to say about how our society is run, you know, we give special privileges to like the rich mm-hmm. and to the to the
1: powerful, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, so the other thing about Chinatown, um the uh it kind of has two – it's a double-edged sword, Chinatown mm-hmm. is, um, which is so brilliant. The um, the screenwriter, uh, which uh, – kill me. Hang me, please. I forgot his name, uh, who is wrote it, the screenplay. Was part. it Polanski writing it, or did he just did he direct it? it? Roman. I know Roman Polanski directed it. Um, either way, in the script, though, um, the screenwriter – the, the, uh, when they were dumping the water and then buying up the land, that was a real thing that happened. Yeah. And it was called, like... uh, the Rape of the Owens Valley. I think it was Owens Valley. It was, the, it was the Rape of Something Valley. Um, but that is like the same, like, that's a double edged sword with the other story that's going on. The background or the B plot of the movie and the A plot, which actually turn out to be sort of the same plot, both have this, you know, mm-hmm. symbolism of, of, uh, sexual abuse and it's just a perfect perfect i don't know just robert town that's his name okay. that wrote the screenplay but it's yeah i can see why it's like looked at looked at so much and uh just picked apart in you know film school and like uh, basically by film critics everywhere it's a great movie
0: it's i mean like in that bit of historical fiction i mean it's so good because you know in your traditional movie you'd think like He's going to put a stop to this, you know. They're dumping yeah, water yeah. and it's shady like mm-hmm. we got to we got to quit this. Put you know, we got dead put
1: people's in... names. Like that's not right.
0: <laughs> but you know that's just the mastery of the movie is mm-hmm. like it has that hold on you where you think that history might be defied there. Yeah. And then it isn't. You know, it's definitely. the same result, but you should have figured that out because that's the way it happened in in history and you should have known that the girl was never going to get away in that car because Mm -hmm. that's just the way it hasn't happened in real life either, you know? That just, the underdog doesn't win like that. And I mean, it's brutal, but that's just what the movie's there to say. Robert Town gets that across so well. Forget about it, Jake. It's It's Chinatown, like iconic single
1: greatest l- ending line ever like if
0: people don't even know the context anymore they just know that line but yeah when you know the context it's just even better even
1: better yeah so good yeah because i because i read about um when i in college we had to look at some scenes from chinatown and and You know, they would always be like, and you know, this, this scene feeds into that last line, forget about it, Jake, it's Chinatown. And I'm like, what is so great about that? Like, yeah, it's dramatic. And then I watched it and just the weight of it is so good. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I totally get it. This is a masterpiece. Um,
0: Bleakest ending ever, maybe. I
1: think honestly, yeah, like it's (laughs) a very, it's very uh, bleak and brutal movie um, but I rec- if you haven't seen it, please go watch Chinatown. Yeah. It, you'll do yourself a favor. Honestly, Jack Nicholson's in it; he's great. Um, just the whole movie's great. Um, you listen
0: to some of the spoilers, you dummy. But you know, yeah. go, go catch it.
1: <laughs> go catch it. But yeah, I mean, honestly, um, yeah, I mean, really, those that's that's just my thoughts on. Uh, those are my thoughts on plot twists.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think that you know when done well. A plot twist is really great way to improve your narrative and make it exciting for audiences to want to rewatch your mm-hmm. movie. Make you know, it it's,
1: uh, remembered,
0: yeah, remembered and endlessly rewatchable because you can be like, ah, it makes sense in the context of the movie. And at mm-hmm. worst, it's there because it feels like some kind of contractual obligation, yeah, to be there. And I would like to see that kind of plot twist fade away. You know, definitely and. and you know kind of on a closing note it does seem like we're getting back to that point thrillers are kind of returning to oh, being yeah. more suspense fueled rather than twist driven you know um i haven't seen it yet but i've heard the the movie run is a really good uh, yeah. example of just like a solid thriller this director did that movie Searching. a couple years ago, Searching.
1: Yeah, which, super good. Mm-hmm. Love that movie. And that was
0: also a really good example of this, because it's a thriller, where it's not necessarily like all about the twists, it's just about, like, God, what's going on with John Cho's kid? Like, What's <laughs> yeah, yeah. she been up to? You know, it's yeah. gradual reveals. You're just in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the character is. And that movie works so well. Like I was saying earlier, you know, it sucks when Twists don't mean anything to a character. right? And that movie, Searching... I guess this is just an ad for Searching now. <laughs> Go watch it. Yeah, true. But in that movie, everything he learns about his daughter, it's just, like, so earth-shattering to mm-hmm. him, you know? It hurts him, and so it hurts you, and you just care so much about the narrative. And yeah. I just want that to return, you know?
1: Same, yeah. Make
0: character stakes involved with the twists.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think... Um... I think it really, it comes down to writing as like, I mean, a plot twist is in writing. It's a literary technique and the writing has got to get better for plot twists to work for audiences and to have a memorable movie like The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. you know, like Unbreakable, like Rebecca or Chinatown, like all the, or even, even honestly, even Training Day, like it, it doesn't really have a plot twist, but I think yeah
0: the twist for
1: me was that, oh, he's not. He's not good at yeah, all. Yeah,
0: No, there's not an ounce of no. good cop <laughs> in this guy. No,
1: and I think that needs to definitely, you know, return before we can get more more memorable things like that. And, um, you know, God bless him. I'm not Shyamalan. I really love the man, I and I him. wish him well. I miss him. But <laughs> he, he's got to step it. I wouldn't even say step it. I don't want to encourage him to step it up. like, But just, you know, just a return to form, uh, yeah. like you were saying, really.
0: Right. Like simple movies aren't bad, you know. Definitely if not. If it, if it's simple, it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to write a huge explanation to make your movie work. Like yeah, you, your movie should do the work for itself. Right. I
1: feel like yeah, like uh, yeah, these big you know grandiose like totally like changing the genre of the film when it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Like that stuff. That's no other. There's not movies that did that. They're just doing that and they're bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I don't know. But um, that's that's our soapbox, I guess. Or that's Yeah. Our...
0: You know, we don't have really a clear point because it's a more nuanced issue than just Definitely. Uh, a plot twist good or plot twist bad. But I don't know. I feel like I've gotten some stuff off my chest.
1: <laughs> Same. I think I've lifted a weight off my shoulders of this literary technique being used <laughs> for worse in recent years.
0: Well, before we go, I I do want to mention that I have been deceased the whole time, and I am Casey's dad. (laughs) Dad? This has been Mind (laughs) Over Movies. (laughs)